we are we are so used to this. We are programmed to be used to being told no when we need certain things. And again, this isn't just about being comfortable. This is, you know, potentially life and death. This is creating a liability. This impacts manning and impacts readiness. If you look at a situation like Shannon Kent, all of these things happened and changed because she died. And whenever I go and I brief these leaders, I'm always like, please do not wait until she dies or her colleague dies on the X because she was a liability. It was very easy for me to make that decision that this was going to be my new fight. My name is Carrie Kite. I'm an Air Force veteran and a writer, filmmaker, and entrepreneur. Day to day, I produce advertising content for a creative agency in New York City. Through this podcast, I'm turning my passion into practice. I separated from the Air Force in 2010, and since that time, through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 41 features Catherine Basso, a former Marine operator and the founder of Cadre Clothing, where she helps provide proper clothing and gear for women in tactical units. We talked about battling ignorance. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. I really, the thing I really want to explore with you is like the, the genesis of this and like what, like how you're up, you're pro- providing a solution to a problem um, that I think probably a lot of people don't know about, which I'm guessing is your experience, right? Where you're like, oh, women can't just wear a, a smaller or a larger pant, depending on what it is that they need to do. Like, you know, it's just kind of like the classic classic thing. Uh, my wife just got, she's a director, film director, commercial director. She just got back from directing a two broadcast commercials uh, about uh, featuring LPGA golfers and she played college golf. And so she was, uh, they were just like a whole week of being on set of lamenting all these things that men are like, oh my gosh, those women can hit, hit golf balls like that. You know, it's just like, she had this experience with one guy that she was working with who she was trying to explain that there's some verbiage that he was using in the script and in some of the other things that wasn't quite accurate. And he was like, listen, I've played enough rounds of putt-putt. I know. And she was like, hey, bro, I played four years in college at the varsity level. I've got four letters from the University of Mississippi. Come on, give me a break. I, I often tell people my dream job is to go around movie sets and TV sets and smack directors and costume designers uh, on what they put on women right like mm. it'd be my my favorite thing to do like yeah why is she pink top smack you yeah. know like why why is she wearing makeup like if, if she is out in the field and she is tactile and she's she's waking up with a full face of makeup on like i know you guys can do like the no makeup makeup look so yeah. you know smack uh yeah. there's this movie my parents were like you have to watch this it's about this woman and she's in the navy and She's got to fight all these, uh, I don't know, terrorists who are trying to steal the nuclear weapons or some some ridiculous plot line, right? And I, I started looking for it because I was like, hey, like female-centric, woohoo, let's do it. And they put her in a white tank top. I'm like, guys. Classic. Yeah. 
she had, she's in the Navy and she had like her blouse tied around her, her uh, waist, of course. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, thank yeah. you. Thank you for doing yeah. a disservice to all the women in the Navy. Well, I, I actually think if you're cool with it, let's keep that part and let's jump right into it because it's, it's very relevant. So the, the month, this month on the podcast, uh, Jack Carr will have also been on the podcast, the, the, uh, novelist who wrote the Terminalist um, novel series, and then he's uh, executive producing and uh, the the series with Chris Pratt, and then um, uh, and then they're making some prequels and some sequels and things like that. And that's something he talks about uh, all the time, which is like how the the change from what you're describing in film and TV to now there is sort of a required authenticity about this type of subject matter that just didn't exist before. So the ubiquity of, of all the content. And then obviously there's so much with recruiting efforts into, into uh, soft and to all these different, um, you know, um, combat MOSs and things like that, that now there's like kind of an accuracy that's required to it. Um, that the, hopefully what you're describing is less, um, less prevalent moving forward. Um, and, uh, and then obviously hopefully we'll be seeing more women in those roles. Um, uh, like yourself and others who have been who have been serving that way. So if you're cool, we can just kind of jump right into it um, and welcome you to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I was talking to a female writer um, a few months ago. She was interested in in doing uh, more along lines of women in the military, women in in soft, and she was asking me my opinion. Um, on Hollywood and and you know explain to me you know about women in in this line of work and I was like look we are just ordinary women who do extraordinary things we're not acting like you know uh, Rambo we're not you know doing anything absurd we are just well trained and we are in extraordinary circumstances and we are raising rising to that challenge and I was like please you know if you show us working out, put her hair in her ponytail. It's something simple like that, right? Like no woman is going to be working out the way that we, we work out with her hair down, getting her hair in her face. Um, so, you know, it's just these like very small details where you're combating men's fetish and men's ideal, you know, of what a, a sexy tactical woman is. And what that does is it delegitimizes so many women in the field right now. And it delegitimizes the hard work that every woman is putting forth to meet these standards, to exceed these standards. And it, it is a simple fix. Like call up a woman who's been in the military and say, hey, what do you do? And you know, it, it's just a very easy way to remove that sexism in Hollywood and then show these these young girls who are like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I don't want to be a CEO. I don't want to be a lawyer, but you know, I want to do something else. And what they're seeing in Hollywood that uh, that representation is this woman wearing nothing but a sports bra and her body armor and going out and doing things. Or why is she always in a tank top on the range when we all know that that brass is going to burn her? you know, or go down her shirt and burn her, right? All of these little details that it's really made for the male gaze and not to show that women who are currently in or the next generation are capable of doing this. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head. You, you I, I will co-sign on that, but there's certainly nothing I need I need to add to it. Um, I, I, w- I would love to jump right in and and find out a little bit more about your experience. Um, if you could, you know, just give your give the the audience a bit of a primer on on who you are, um, where you've served, and then we can we can jump into to uh, to your company and and to the the problem that um, that you're helping us solve. Absolutely. Uh... So I am a Marine veteran. I spent 12 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was a public affairs officer, qualified as a civil affairs officer, uh, ended up being a foreign area officer uh, for East Asia with expertise in the Korean Peninsula, uh, bounced around the Pacific Rim for a few years, going to, I think I counted, I think it ended up being like 11 different countries around East and Southeast Asia. Um, my last tour was in a SOCOM unit. And my experience there is what inspired me to get out of the Marine Corps and start cadre clothing. And um, what was that? What was that particular experience? Was there an acute moment or something that happened, or was it a, a kind of compounding effect over time? What were some of the things you were noticing that that uh, that you saw there was a problem, and then and and you wanted to become an entrepreneur to to provide that solution? Uh, I would say it's a a little bit of both acute and long-term frustration. Uh, When I was doing a military exercise, uh, we had to wear civilian attire and I had bought these pants from REI. Uh, They fit women. So I bought these pair of pants. They had zero pockets. Uh, I mean, that's a little bit of a hyperbole. They had four pockets, but the front pockets were angled. Uh, And as I was running through this exercise, uh, I had a knife and that knife fell out of my pocket. Um, and it wasn't just that this was the lucky knife that I had with me since I got commissioned, uh, but I had to open MREs for the next 45 days. And yes, I recognize one is none, two is one, uh, but I did not follow that at the time, and I had no way of opening up these MREs. Uh, luckily, there was a guy who lent me his very mini Swiss Army knife, uh, the keychain Swiss Army knife. So for 45 days, I was sawing open MREs in order to eat. And I thought there had to be a better solution. Uh, what was commercially available out there either fit women and had zero function, or it was functional, but it was for men. And so I needed a pair of pants that I could take out into the field with me, civilian, you know, for OPSEC purposes. And that one was durable enough to last that long without getting washed. And two, that fit my body type and had the functional pockets that I needed to hold everything that I needed to hold. You know, we can't can't take purses out in the field. Uh, you know, there are things that I don't want to constantly be dropping my pack in order to grab. I needed that that functionality to hold everything that the men hold in all of their 20,000 pockets that the current commercial industry provides them. So I designed my first iteration of the Valkyrie uh, during that exercise. And I was like, I I need these pants made and ended up going to a few of the uh, popular people in this industry, uh, popular companies. And I said, here are a pair of pants. I need you to design them. And they were like, there is uh, no space for women in the tactical industry. We will either never make female clothes um, or we will do so in a very limited capacity to T-shirts and hats and other things to be part of the brand. So that uh, that really angered me. Uh, I went back when I was in this the SOCOM unit. 
Um, you know, in the Marine Corps, we do more with less. It's just kind of our thing, right? And so I didn't expect to have things that really fit me on 5'3". Uh, but in SOCOM, who has all of the money, um, I expected to have a wide, a wide uh, various output of all the things that I needed to do my job. And I talked to the supply officer and, and he's like, I can't get you anything that doesn't exist. And we do not have anything that fits that specifically for women. Uh, they could get smaller versions of men's stuff, but there was nothing that was female specific in gear or, or uniforms. Um, so it really just kind of pissed me off. Um, I understand that this is a male oriented profession and it's a male oriented industry. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, there are roughly 385,000 women throughout our armed services. And that is more than the entire population of Iceland. It's more than the entire UK military. And we're still told that, well, it's only 15% of the customer base. So the industry isn't going to provide you what you need. Um, what was the, what were those conversations? And obviously don't have to name the companies. Um, uh, but what were those conversations like? I mean, like, I think there's, there's, I think men listening to this and, and to other conversations like this and to topics like this might have like a, ah, oh, there's no way that that guy talked to her like that. Oh, there's no way that, you know, that, that, that company would say that, that there, there's no way she's, that, that's not true. Right. Like that. You, I'm sure you have heard that all of the time. So can you take us into those conversations and tell us a, what it was like for you, how you felt, what you were thinking and feeling, and then what was what were the, the what was the tactical like what like boots on the ground? What was that converse those conversations like? What were they saying to you? How were you responding? What was the back and forth like? Can you take us there? Sure. Uh, actually, anyone I've ever told that story to, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Right? No one's ever questioned it um, because from a business perspective, it makes perfect sense. If you're talking about a customer base that's 85% versus 15%. And especially in the military industry here in the United States, we are required to do berry compliancy, which means everything here is made in the United States. Samples are extremely expensive here. Prototypes are extremely expensive here. And so you have a RDT&E budget, that budget going to 15% of your customer base from a business side doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, I've consistently had this conversation, especially when I get into body armor, because to a lot of companies, that juice just isn't worth the squeeze. It's not worth their bottom line. Now, 385,000 sounds like a lot, but unless you get to like the large services, then you're going to get to that 385,000. If we're looking at, you know, USASOC, it, it's much number. We're talking a couple thousand women. And so these, these businesses are looking at it from, I have a company, what I'm providing for these men, which quite frankly is easy, right? Men's body types are, are pretty simple. I can easily provide them what they need and you know, customize it to whatever unit really desires it and come out with a multi-million dollar contract. That unit has hundred women, lucky, maybe, and so I'm not going to have a multi-million contract for the women's side. So why am I spending $20,000 on a prototype if I'm only going to be in the hole after the fact? So from that side, I got it, right? Totally makes sense. 
but you know, and you say like, why did I want to be an entrepreneur? I didn't. Uh, I think entrepreneurship is horrible and it's really hard. And uh, you are constantly questioning yourself every single day. Um, but the altruistic side is we have women on the X. We have women on target. We have women who are trying to reach these organizations, these units. The glass ceiling is shattered. You know, we have women doing amazing things right now and their gear is hindering them. So at what point are they gonna be a liability on the X because their shoulder harnesses are too wide for their shoulders? Because every time they get into the prone, their helmet covers their eyes. They can't ingress and egress out of a vehicle when their body armor cuts off their circulation. So now we're talking life and death. We're not just talking bottom line. And for me, I wanna make sure that every woman who's currently serving and every woman who wants to serve coming up in the next generation doesn't have to be distracted by ill-fitting clothes and ill-fitting gear or spend five years in and all of a sudden get a career-ending injury because the pack was too big, the boots were men's, et cetera, et cetera, and having to medically retire. So this is, I get it, it's clothes, it's gear, it's complicated, you know, but it is a very simple solution of providing the most basic of requirements to our women in the military. Yes. I, so I, uh, there's kind of two, two questions I have here, two routes I want to go. I want, I want to come back to the, the kind of specifics of those problems, but um, on, on entrepreneurship, did you, did you um, separate from the military in order to do this? Like, did you make that choice to, to leave the military to do this as a civilian? Yes. Uh, it wasn't as hard as someone might think. Uh, so I was, I was at that SOCOM unit and the Marine Corps called and said, hey, we're going to send you to Bahrain unaccompanied. Um, again, East Asia fail. Bahrain's not my, my cup of tea. Uh, I fought back and they said, this is your, you need to get regreened. So here's your solution. And I said, well, thank you very much for making this an easy decision. Um, at that point, I was so focused on helping these women. Um, uh, I'll give you another example, uh, free fall, military free fall. So the women in, in my unit, uh, we, there was this one amazing woman and she provides insight to all the other women, right? Like she pulls them out and she's like, hey, when you go to free fall school, this is what you need to worry about. You're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. We're gonna push okay. through because he does it all the time. It's like he's basically like a he's basically like a co-host on the podcast now. Everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah there's the little dog again, uh, and everybody's yeah, following great. along with our with our training journey. Uh, I was not a military working dog handler, so um, I would love to get one of those uh, people, guys or gals, on the podcast to come help me with that. Maybe we could do it in real time for everybody. But actually, <laughs> I, I, people will probably be laughing as they listen to this because I've I've learned that these headphones are really good, and, and folks often can't actually hear him except just for the guest. So it's always kind of a, a funny little okay. Easter egg. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. So the woman yep, who provides yep. all the insights yep. for, for uh, folks coming to military people. And she's like, hey, wait, right before you jump, you need to make sure that your your chest um, strap is cinched down as far as it'll go. And it'll basically make the harness touch, right? The harness straps touch. And then she goes, you jump, pull, in order to inflate the canopy completely, you need to loosen up that strap midair. 
And so I'm talking to her and you know, she's senior enlisted. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And she, she starts going into like the actual reasons why I'm like, no, 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 no. I get why that makes sense. I said, I'm, I'm saying that there are so many women who are commercially skydiving. So we know that we have harnesses available commercially. Why isn't the military buying them for small women? And she's like, ah, oh, you know, you know how it goes, right? And and that answer of, well, you know how it goes, frustrated the crap out of me. Yes, I know how it goes. I know how it is. Just shut the door. Sorry. Okay, you're good. <laughs> I feel so disrespectful because you're telling this, you're telling this story, you're talking about this important thing, and I'm over here messing with a tiny little mini golden doodle. No, you're you're good. Um, but it, it's just, we are, we are so used to this. We are programmed to be used to being told no when we need certain things. Um, and again, this isn't just about being comfortable. This is, you know, potentially life and death. This is creating a liability. Uh, this impacts manning and impacts readiness. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, if you look even at a situation like Shannon Kent, all of these things happened and changed because she died. And whenever I go and I brief these leaders, I'm always like, please do not wait until she dies or her colleague dies on the X because she was a liability to them. So it's, you know, it, it was very easy for me to make that decision uh, that this was going to be my new fight. I knew that I could do more for the women and military in general out um, than I could, and especially in Bahrain. Right. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, um, it, it's an interesting, this is the second time that this has come up on the podcast. Matt Griffin, who runs Combat Flip Flops, um, he he noticed a certain problem uh, in certain regions of the world and started that company, left the military and started that company as an entrepreneur because he said, I could solve some of these problems more as a business person, as an entrepreneur in some of these regions than then these regions that I was going into as a ranger, right, where I'm going in, um, you know, light infantry and and doing what rangers do, right? That that, that is something that um, is not great for for the people in in that region. Um, great for our interests, but not great for some of the people that we're trying to help, right? And so he said, okay, well, let me pivot to this and become an entrepreneur and, and tackle this from the business side of things and go deal with the military industrial complex um, and the free and the marketplace in a way that um, that is. Um, uh, focused on on some of the same problems but just coming at it from a, from a from a different angle right and tackling it from a different a different place it's it's often when we're when we're trying to um solve problems that are systemic for a certain group of people um we often get uh uh stuck thinking like oh i can only do this from the inside i can only do this from this place like my options are limited and you had the courage to say cool, no options here. They're making me go do something I don't want to do. And I, I know there's a group of women like myself that I can help. So let me take that leap. Let me take that step. Let me go do something really, really hard, put myself in a more difficult position in some ways and tackle the problem from there. Was that something that you thought about? Um, obviously, you said it made the decision easy because they were going to go station you somewhere that, that you didn't feel like that you could you could um, work effectively. So that aspect of it was easy. But did you did you think about the challenge ahead, the task ahead, like the, the pile of tasks? Or did you just think of what was the next thing that was in front of me? What steps am I gonna take right now 
to to get to the next step. Does that make sense? It, it does. It, it was it was quite overwhelming, uh, to be honest. I was walking into an industry I knew nothing about. Um, playing in a game I knew very little about. Uh, and every, every day I was learning, every day I was learning something new. Um, every day I was learning who to trust and who not to trust and that not everybody has uh, your best interest at heart. Uh, and, and that's hard coming from the Marine Corps, right? Where the Marines, we have that esprit de corps uh, and we might not like you, but we're gonna defend you, right? Like no matter what, if you are a Marine, we're gonna be there. And coming into this industry where, you know, a lot of, it, it's pretty ruthless, it, it's cutthroat. Um, people are kind of fighting over for the same, you know, same rice bowl. Um, and it, it was interesting to me because for me, I wasn't a threat. I am a niche market going after people you have no interest in serving, right? Zero interest. So why don't you assist me? Why can we not have strategic partnerships? Why can we not do this together? Like, why would you not want to work with me instead of against me in order for us to help that end user, right? If we look at, at military service members in general as weapon systems, that's, we always talk about that now, it's a weapon system. Women are weapon systems too. And yet we are still training them like we train men and we are still equipping them with men's gear and men's uniforms. So you are ignoring, uh, you know, 15% is a large portion. You're ignoring this portion and then holding people down or not at least helping them, you know, in order to, to serve that market. And, and that I didn't understand. Um, I, I think also, especially when you get into body armor, body armor is my white whale. Um, at some point, I will, we will have body armor specifically for women um, that doesn't just, you know, get shorter and smaller. You know, these people erroneously think that the shorter women get, like the narrower her shoulders and the smaller her breasts. And, you know, as you've known women, if you've ever met women, you know that that's just not the case. And yet, we still have this mentality of, well, extra small means that they're just going to be small all around. And, you know, that's just, you're, you're, and you're forcing these women to a false sense of, of security when you're going out with body armor that won't actually protect them. Um, so, I mean, I've got warned off the body armor thing a couple of times. Um, I've, I've been told that I needed to quit constantly, you know, that I will never succeed. Um, and it's a very, very frustrating part of, of having this, this business uh, in this industry. Um, you know, we have 72 different sizes for our pants. And I've been told from a business, business perspective that's, that's way too many. Um, it's an inventory nightmare. It is an inventory nightmare. I will give them that. Um, but that I needed to change so that there's only extra small through extra large like there have been many many people who have provided advice that goes against everything that i'm trying to do right we need to ensure that women can function we need to ensure that this is properly fitted 
we need to ensure that this design is durable for their needs, needs and not blow out their crotch every single time they you know, squat down on the range. And so that part, you know, that, that lack of support, um, being told that I, I should stop, uh, that part I didn't expect. Uh, now, on the flip side, I've had a ton of support as well, uh, just not from the industry, you know, from the women. And it is, it's the, the text messages, the emails, um, you know, the social media posts, you know, that's what keeps me going because I do see that there's a purpose and that the women are succeeding because they're not distracted by ill-fitting clothes. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a very steep hill to climb. One, understanding the industry, two, knowing who to listen to. Three, I made a lot of mistakes, like a lot of mistakes in the beginning um, because I just didn't know any better. And I didn't know when someone gave me an answer, I didn't know if that was the correct answer or not. And then I started questioning. Once I realized, oh crap, they're taking advantage of me. Then it was, okay, now I'm going to double check and I'm going to triple check. And I'm going to ensure that that person has the correct bona fides. Uh, so yeah, it was, it, it's been a journey. Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot. Uh, thankfully, you don't strike me as somebody who's gonna who's gonna say no and somebody who's gonna quit. So um, you know, add me to the list of of, of people who can. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna be able to purchase, uh, but I can I can support in in, in other ways. And um, so you, you can add me to that list of that e that email listserv and that text listserv. Um, but the I think I have a couple questions about the. I want to get into the some of the mistakes that you made and, and kind of the, the the tactics of of the actual business itself and and what you've done and how you and how you've done it. But back to the 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 you know humans as as weapon systems and therefore women as weapon systems. And you know not to get political because your work has spanned a few a few administrations right uh, of of varying positions and 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 kind of like overall competencies um, on, on this front. So it's not even that. It's just. It's it's a it's a strange thing that the military industrial complex and that the that the, the Department of Defense and then and then those vendors that that it's aligned with see human capital as um, obviously those of us that enlist or commission or expendable to a certain extent right that that's kind of what you're signing up for potentially and then we we talk about all of the other things that we do to to maintain readiness. And, and to be in the fight and to stay in the fight and to, to do all of these things. And you talk about the men who get the opportunities to adjust their gear and tinker and sew and, and clip and Velcro and like do all of these, all of these different things. But then there's just such a limiting um, set of options for women. We just came out of a war where women came out of tech. I don't know how you want to look at that, right? Anybody wants to look at that, but where, where there's a pretty huge strategic and tactical advantage to having women on the battlefield in those mountains in those villages doing those things um with men and for the 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 civilian women that that were helping to to, to serve on the ground there and it, it is kind of wild to me that especially with with the role that shannon played and that other women have played on cst and all these other things like how is there not a uh uh a an understanding that there's a tactical advantage here to serving the women that are working in these functionalities that that frankly are helping to provide the uh a, a less casualties on the conventional side of the military which is a, a larger group of people like does that does it make sense what i'm trying to put together here i'm not you know i wasn't i was just a flight line guy i wasn't an operator or anything like that so i, I don't quite does it make sense though what i'm trying to say 
or which yeah. I'm going to ask rather. And I think from what I've gathered, the men who are biggest allies, who are women who are serving the biggest allies are the ones who served with women, right? So the CSTs did, did great things. Um, you know, all, all the other women who are supporting uh, special operations, all the other women who are currently, you know, operators in JSOC, um, you know, they are doing amazing things and they are serving alongside the men. And if you ask those men, then they're like, yeah, like they, they prove their worth. And yes, it was an uphill battle. Yes, they struggled uh, to show that capability. But once they did, all of a sudden, the men are like, oh, this isn't a big deal. Uh, I think mm. a lot of times what you get are men who have enlisted, who never served with women before, who were always told by, you know, some senior NCO uh, that women are going to destroy your career. And so they stay away from them. And then all of a sudden they're thrust into these uh, SOCOM organizations, SOCOM units where they're with women and they're like, oh, like all that fear mongering, right? Like, and so what we found is the, our, our biggest allies are the ones who served right alongside them. Um, the ones who complain, the ones who are, you know, super vocal, especially on social media or comments on news are the ones who either never had that experience or never went beyond, you know, four years as an infantryman. And it's like, okay, well, I appreciate the fact that you're speaking out, but your opinion is invalid if you've never actually served alongside women before. Um, and I, I think that's tough. And I, I think that's a good thing about the integration. I think that's a very good thing about opening up combat arms to women uh, is exposure and representation. And all of a sudden, like, let me just put it this way. It's never been a women's issue. It's always been a man's issue, right? It's always been the men who are having problems. It's always been the men who are complaining. And the women are either the only or the first, and they're walking straight into that room as the only woman in the room or the first female doing whatever, and they're shutting up and they're doing the work. And all we're trying to do is ensure that they have everything they need to excel in what they're doing. Yeah, so you get more, more women in more rooms uh, on that front to to allow for that kind of exposure and opportunity and integration that you're talking about to 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 help um, you know to help move move things forward. Uh, okay, so I'd love to talk about the your business and and the successes and and the failures, the mistakes, the 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 things that you've done well, kind of how how you've how you figured it out. And I'd love to kind of frame it by starting with the thing you acknowledged, which was that there is um, there the, something about the the lack of, of inventory made some sort of business sense, right? So how, how did you work from that belief and understanding and, and agreement somewhat with those vendors that you talked to? How did you then frame the way that you were going to build this business and make it so that it made more business sense? So uh, it's, it's like a pyramid, right? And you hit the JSOC, the SOCOM, uh, you know, the FBI, HRT, because they do have a few women there. Um, you know, all of these specialized people who have their own budget. And that way the approval comes down to one or two people. And then the hope is once those people, you know, they give the bona fides that this gear, this clothing, this whatever, it's good. This is what I choose. 
and then that trickles down to the CIFs, you know, the SIFs, the, the supply. And then, you know, then they're going to be like, okay, well, this has been proven. And then we're going to shift that down. And all of a sudden, you know, you go from specialized DEA, FBI, you know, secret service uh, to local law enforcement. And, you know, it gets bigger and bigger to where hopefully um, commercially civilians, especially tactical athletes, people um, who just want to shoot. I mean, we've got 8 million women in the shooting sports are like, well, if, if the women who are doing the most badass, badass things in the entire world are wearing this, then it must be good. So then I'm going to buy it. So it, it, it's a, it's a common business tactic in, in this military complex. Um, and it makes a lot of sense for a small business like mine, where I'm not going to be competing. I don't have the uh, the commercial history to compete with uniform sales, right? Um, or any of these large, large multi-million dollar contracts. Um, I'm going toward the women who one need it the most, who are going out there, even when there's no more GWAT or no more Afghanistan or um, you know no more Iraq, uh, who are still getting deployed, who are still doing things uh, around the world and ensuring that they have what they need. And then, you know, as I am in-person sales briefing, you know, and I, I carry a big old suitcase filled of samples uh, and they can try on whatever they want. And I'm like, what is it that you need? So it, it's, it's both, here's what I've made and we can alter it in any way that's fit for your unit. And by the way, what else do you need? based on the current environment in which your unit's deploying. So that is, I think, the most broadest sense of, of what we're doing. Um, the challenge, obviously, is a lot of times when I will go and I will brief the leaders, I will brief the commanders, I will brief these women, and they say, yes, this is what I want. Then they go to that decision maker, and that decision maker's like, it is a priority. It's just not the priority and maybe next year. And so then I'll go to the bosses and I'll be like, let's sit and talk about it. And they, they agree on everything, right? Oh, this makes sense. You know, if, if women aren't holding their straps together when they're on a ruck march, you know, they'll be faster. You know, if, if the butt of the rifle was actually on their shoulder properly placed and not in the way of, you know, trying to compete for space with their body armor, uh, strap, then maybe they'd be more accurate. You know, if they weren't dragging around three inches of crotch and all this extra room in their pants, they might not get torn up on the obstacle course. So in, in that sense, they get it, like they understand it. But again, it's it's that, okay, well then now what are you going to do about it? And that's where I kept falling flat for like the first year. Like, yes, this is what we need. We're just not going to pull the trigger. And that was very frustrating. How did you, what angle did you take after that in order to, in, in order to, to combat that blockade you were running into? So I, I actually met a gentleman from the UK uh, who needed female sized clothes. And he told me that UK policy was any of their contracts required female fit and female specific. So if you were a vendor and you came in and you said, this is unisex, you would automatically lose. 
it had to be female fit and female specific, and that was written in their policy. And this is for the UK's military. Yes. Okay. And I was like, that is, that's brilliant. Like, why do we not have that? Uh, so that's what I ended up setting out to do. Um, I am currently talking to Congress or staffers at least to try to push for this policy change so that every single time there's a contract, we can have female fit and female specific written in there. So vendors are required to provide that for the units that they're supplying. So unfortunately, civilian oversight is what is providing me, you know, hopefully this uh, this way in to ensure ensure that, and I hate to say it, but that leaders are being good leaders. And sadly, it, it's come to that. But I am tired of of waiting for the whims of whatever commander and his priority list um, to decide when is the right time to equip their their service members. And again, it is a basic requirement by doctrine: train and equip, train and equip. Well, equip them, like just equip them with the basics. Yeah, here, here I thought we were gonna stay out of politics. So, how uh, how are those conversations going, and what what are the what are what are the um, what are the what are those conversations like? How are they going? How are you being received? What are some of the challenges that you're that you're facing? Um, so, challenge number one is not insulting my customer, right? Like, I don't want to piss off my customer. Um, that is, uh, I, I have to walk a very fine line because the point is like in-state goal, provide women female-specific fit. Getting there, which is requiring, you know, as an officer, going above your chain of command is, you know, a big no-no. And luckily I'm out. So I can be that voice, but I still respect and understand the women who are currently in their hesitancy to to get on board with that and so it's like okay like i'm your voice you tell me what you need and what you want and i'm going to fight this fight for you um so challenge one is making sure i don't insult anybody uh challenge two is battling misinformation so every staffer i've talked to has told me like, one, either this is really low hanging fruit, I don't understand why it's not in there already. Um, or two, no, the services already told us that women have everything that they need. And I'm like, who told you that? They're like the services. You know, once we opened up to combat arms, they briefed us and they said they have everything that they need. And I'm like, yeah, but who told you that? Right, so you're, you're fighting against, and, and I get this too, and I understand it, right? Like. You, you're a four-star general, and he's like, I've got to talk to, to Congress about this. Uh, give me the information. And then, you know, his one-star is getting that information, who's the colonel's getting that information, the captain's getting the information, and so forth and so forth. And all of a sudden, you, you played telephone, and they're like, well, yeah, they've got, the Army has female uniforms, and there you go. And then we've got size small. There you go. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it, it's reminding them that no, uh, we don't have everything that we need. Uh, but again, going back to that number one, try not to piss them off by saying, hey, you told 
you know, I don't want them going down and being like, you told us that we had everything we need. And then right. this, this girl from Cadre Clothing is telling us that that's not correct. Um, yeah. So that and then three, battling ignorance is um, the, the big one. Why? Why do women need female fit? Why do we, women need female specific? Um, and I'd like to say that it should be obvious, um, but I've learned that men don't necessarily understand women's anatomy um, and don't understand the consequences of ill-fitting gear. And so it's a lot of education. It's, hey, women's feet are not smaller size men's feet. The Q angle of our femur because of our, our hip makes our feet shaped and sized differently to distribute that weight properly. And if you put men's or a woman foot in a man's boot, then you're going to have problems. You're gonna have knee issues. You're gonna have hip issues. You're gonna have ankle issues. You're gonna have Achilles tendon issues. Um, you know, the harness straps on packs. My torso is 13 and a half inches. I am five foot three. I am very short. And if that harness and that pack is not adjustable, then all of a sudden I'm gonna have neck issues, hip issues, shoulder issues. And so we had to start turning this from a equality issue, right? To a injury prevention issue. And that seemed to resonate better with the leaders because what they were focused on was gear isn't comfortable for anybody. Body armor isn't comfortable for anybody. And it's like, got it. Like we can, I can throw studies at you if you want about how discomfort causes cognitive issues and distraction and, you know, doesn't enable women to do their basic uh, functions of shoot, move, communicate, but we'll move away from the cognitive side and just go to the physical because that's a lot easier for you to understand. Um, so it, it's this just battling of, you know, I, I don't think there's any ill will. I just think that they are ignorant and they aren't getting the correct information. Um, and a lot of times they just don't want to piss off a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to blow some people's minds with all this information that men and women are actually different from each other. Um, but we don't have to necessarily go there. The, um, the, yeah, that, that, that point number two is an interesting one, right? Where it's a uh, women, women were fighting for a long time to get into the fight um, um, to, to have those, those equal opportunities in the military and on the battlefield and, and, and go to the, the MOSs and the AFSCs that they, that they wanted to go to, uh, that you wanted to go to. And then you run into this interesting thing where it's like, well, okay, we got it. We got what we wanted. So we can't let them know that we don't have everything we need because then they might take that thing that we just earned away from us. Right. So it's like this really interesting sort of cultural kind of political thing where, where there's that, that, uh, desire to have the thing, got the thing, and then now let's let's not kind of rock the boat because we want to make sure that we that we keep this thing that that we got. But but I think the way that you're framing it is is really um, smart. I mean, it's just it's it's women are different physically than men, and so therefore are going to require different gear in order to um, stay to to maintain readiness and to to be ready to to shoot, move, and communicate, like you said. Um, it, it seems it seems pretty straightforward. Um, the other thing that I wanted to I wanted to to kind of dive into is something that comes up on on this podcast a lot. It's kind of become a through line is this idea of networking versus building relationships. And so as I hear you talk about 
all of the relationships that you've built and that you have with all of these women in different arenas and different areas and different places and men too, the allies that you're working with there. Can you talk a little bit about how valuable it has been to, to more than just network, but to actually build meaningful relationships with your customer, uh, with your potential customers, with vendors, with allies, and with all the people that you're working with in, in Congress? What is it? What is it? actually mean to build a meaningful relationship to move something this important forward? So I, I think it comes down to mutual trust. And I think that's the difference between a relationship and a network. Um, I can meet and be introduced to people all day long. And I think they can provide me their contact information and we can discuss uh, very business-like things. Um, and I've done that and it's great. Um, but the moment that we cross into that trust category, uh, I'll, I'll, take, I'll give you an example. I, I was introduced to a, uh, let's call him a federal employee. And he was like, hey, I've got a, a woman who is, she's the only female in, on our tactical unit. Uh, and I want to provide her with everything that she needs, which, by the way, first time a man has said that to me. And I'm like, OK, dude, like, let's rock and roll. Right. Um, and he goes, will you talk to her? Uh, Absolutely. So I talked to her and he's he followed up with me and I told him, I was like, I need to talk to more of the women in your organization and I want to be able to serve them better because I knew things from Marine Corps side. I knew things from the military side. I don't know how your women function and what their job entails and what their needs are on, on your side. And he was like, absolutely. And he ended up introducing me to five or six different women. And I talked to each one of them for an hour about what they needed, what they do on a given you know work day, um, where they're their flashpoints are, where their issues are, like the the frustrating parts, the good parts. And we worked on that. Um, I'm sure you're not going to be surprised, but every single one of them wears men's clothes um, for their job. And, you know, it's like, well, why do you wear men's clothes? You know, what is it about the men's clothes that allow you to do your job better? And you start building this trust where you are so interested in helping them that they feel open enough to tell you about what they're doing as an occupation. And then that trust gets built and all of a sudden they are like, I want you to talk to this person. She's not working with us, but she works in an adjacent organization. And all of a sudden this network isn't any longer a, hi, I'm me, I need your material. Okay, how much do you need, blah, blah, blah. It goes straight to, these relationship building of this is what I need from you. This is what you can ask of me. And now I've got a customer, right? But more than a customer, I've got someone who is invested in what I'm doing and invested in bettering what she's dealing with and all the women who are coming up after her. And that creates a movement. Yeah, it's knowing and being known, right? It's that it's that um, that that kind of seamless transfer of of um, 
that's more than information, right? It's just like, it's like you're, it, it's you're, you're sharing yourself and they're sharing themselves back with you and you're able to better serve and they're able, able to better be served. And then obviously most of the women you're working with here are, are serving, um, you know, in, in, in a very high capacity and doing very important things for the rest of us. And um, we often don't even know about it. Um, I feel like we've packed a lot in um, and this has been great. I want to be respectful of your time uh, and, and finish up here. I've, so usually to, to end the podcast, I've been asking a question uh, along the lines of, you know, what kind of what's on your heart and on your mind for our community, you know, right now. I feel like that's everything that we've talked about here for the last hour or so, but I don't, I don't want to treat you any differently. So I'll ask you the same question. Is there anything in particular um, on your mind or on your heart right now for, for our community in general as military veterans, maybe your, your kind of pocket of the community. Um, and then and then I'd like to know how, how I can help, how we can help, how those listening can help. Like, what can we do? Um, you know, like one particular thing I've noticed is that there, like I can't purchase anything and support just because I don't have, I mean, I, I can, but I, I don't need it, right? So like, what are things that other, that other folks can do to, to be allies and to help? So first question, and then would love to finish up with that second one. Yeah. I- I, I think the only thing on my mind and what drives me every day is all of these women just being absolute badasses. Um, and again, they're ordinary women and they are doing extraordinary things. And I'm inspired by every success, uh, inspired by every path paved, every ceiling shattered, everything. Um, and I encourage them to just keep going. Uh, it's tough. And I, tell everyone that it is an uphill battle, but that's why our asses look so good because they're so muscular, um, because we're constantly driving and pushing uphill. Um, so that's at least one benefit of it. We'll be in great shape. Um, I think the important thing is that we support each other, um, that we celebrate our successes and we're there for each other throughout the frustrating aspects of it. Um, sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes we just need someone to say, hey, you're doing a great job, keep pushing forward. Um, so that is definitely something that I think about daily, uh, especially during my dark times as an entrepreneur, because entrepreneurship, you get dark, you know, things go, don't always go the way that you hope them, uh, they'll go. and Sometimes you just need someone to say, you're doing a great job, keep pushing. Um, so that's the first one. Uh, what was the second question? How can we help? How can those of us that are listening help? What can, what, how, can we, how can we help? Uh, allies. Um, so obviously, women, if you're listening, uh, contact me at katherineatcadreclothing.com and tell me what you need. Again, my perspective is is very focused on military, and I might not understand what you need for your specific job. We're constantly designing new things. Um, I recognize that we only have three things available commercially on the website, uh, but we have six designs specifically uh, for contracts for the military, and we're constantly designing more. Uh, so your input, this is a for women by women company, and your input is what drives us. Um, so definitely let us know what you need. Um, men, your support is essential to our success. Um, your, as leaders, 
ensuring that women have what they need, pushing for that. Um, I've been told so many times that there's just not enough money. And I'm like, the army spent a hundred million dollars in camouflage and then three years later, another hundred million dollars. So I feel like there's money. Uh, you just got to find it. Um, so, you know, we just, we need your support in that aspect. Um, and a lot of times, especially in this world of social media, and I, I know a lot of women uh, in my world are not on it, uh, but for those who are, who are trying to push for, uh, to get to that next unit or to to pass whatever course they're trying to pass, um, it, there's a lot of haters out there. And I think the more that you speak up uh, and be like, hey, that's not my experience, or uh, you know, she did a really great job, or she actually outshot me, um, you know, that that helps us grow and it helps our society grow. Um, you know, we we wouldn't be anywhere without the men who are supporting us and we need that to continue uh, so that we can fight right alongside you so that we can do what we're doing. Uh, and, you know, ensuring that the US stays the best military in the world. Hell of a way to end it. We will, um, so we'll link out your, your email address you just gave there in the show notes. Uh, give folks the opportunity to reach out if they need anything. Um, and then where can folks find you on um, social media? Where, where can, uh, where other places folks can get a hold of you? So Kadri underscore clothing is our uh, Instagram. I do have Facebook, but I would not be able to tell you what that is. Uh, <laughs> it is on there. I'm assuming it's Kadri clothing. Um and yeah, email is the best way to do it. Uh, the website, there's contact form as well. If, if you don't know how to, or if you don't remember my email address um, and yeah. Awesome. Um, well, great. Listen, Catherine, thank you so much. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed both times that we've spoken, uh, you know, previously to this and then, and then this recording, hope to, hope to do it again. Um, and certainly please keep in touch and uh, be on the lookout for, for a bunch of tags on, on Instagram and hopefully some shares and hopefully we can get some of this um, content to, um, to spread the word and, and, um, and, and get you what you need. So thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. We'll see you.